Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So welcome to a new theme. We've been riffing on the word empowerment all year, 2020, and what a year, oh boy. So this new theme for the next few shows is called Embrace. The team voted and we said embrace. So the definition of embrace is to take or clasp in arms, when we all love to just do that right now, take or receive gladly, eagerly, willingly, and I'm holding my hand over my heart because I want to receive in my heart. Um, Embrace is also to avail oneself, to give of oneself, to encircle, surround, enclose, include, contain. And again, boy, don't we all want to do that right now, huh? Embrace. So I hope you enjoy this month's different shows because it's all about embracing not only yourself, but others and your empowerment. Enjoy the show. So welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. Um, Before we dive deep into this really juicy topic with my guest today, I want to remind everybody that I have a Facebook group called Live Your Empowered Life. We are doing amazing workshops for free. Uh, One of them that we're running is Are You a Light Leader? And it's a five-day workshop. So I invite you to join just so you know and have a heads up of what we're doing. It's kind of the um, virtual stage or conference room right now, Live Your Empowered Life, the Facebook group. And also, if you haven't gotten my book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-day journey, I invite you to do that because we are also running until the end of the year book studies, six week book studies with me. And um, so far we've done two, three, we've done three. Wow. And um, they're transformative. And of course, every time we, I run a book started with people, I end up doing the book again. So I think I've done it like four times this year already. So go figure. Anyway, live an empowered life, a 30 day journey, the book. So with all that said, my uh, shuffle ball change, ta-da, I want to invite um, this woman who is just fabulous. I think you guys are going to fall in love with her. She has her own podcast called The Charisma Quotient, which isn't that a fabulous name. Um, and she and I just fell in love. She is, I'm going to just talk her up a little bit. She is a confidence therapist, and who doesn't need that? I'm raising my hand. And also a dating strategist, and boy, I wish I knew you when. Uh, So I want to welcome to the show Kim Seltzer. Kim, thanks for joining me. Oh my gosh, it's such a pleasure to be here. I can't wait for this, as you say, juicy conversation. Juicy conversation. (laughs) So what's fun is uh, you had me on your show, Charisma Quotient, and um, we were talking about living your life from the outside in or inside out. And, and, it, and to some people, it might sound like an either or a versus. But um, what I know to be true on my days where I get up and I'm not feeling so much that, 
I get on my makeup, I put on outfits that I feel powerful in, and then I can walk out my front door and feel better about myself. So that's, that's some of what you teach people, yeah? Oh, absolutely. And by the way, I didn't always teach this. And this is, I mean, and I can go in my story with my story in a bit, but you know, it's an interesting thing because, and we talked about this, you know, confidence mm-hmm. obviously comes from within, but there's definitely a symbiotic relationship between the outer and the inner in, in, in that empowerment piece and in, in embracing our confidence, if you will. So, um, I, I do teach that and that's where I start. And I, there's actually a lot of research that backs that up on how it can build confidence that it's not just an airy fairy thing or because I'm this blonde girl from LA saying, oh, image matters, you know, it's not. (laughs) So, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, for me, like you were saying, I mean, it matters when we have a good hair day, right? And it's not superficial. It matters when we feel good in our outfit. And it it is something that can be like a quick hit in gaining that confidence and have a domino effect to that longer term thing. Yes, because also um, as you begin to feel good, whether it's from the inside out or the outside in, that the domino effect is uh, something that strengthens everybody. You, you know, it strengthens you. Then you feel like, you're not, okay, I'm just going to talk about me, you know, on the days where I wasn't feeling empowered when I didn't have self-esteem, I felt like I was always on some quicksand that, you know, even if I had my best and brightest outfit on, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I still felt like I was on quicksand, you know, like what's, what's the, the, what's going to happen next kind of thing. Um, so to build that foundation of confidence, however you do it is vital. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I don't know if this would be a good time to go into my story. Yes, let's please. Honestly, like I can't even talk about this stuff <laughs> unless I really share my journey and, and how I got here because, you know, the, the truth was is that long time ago in a land far, far away named Chicago was where I lived, um, there lived a woman, me, that I thought I had it all going on, right? Like I thought I was pretty confident. I had, and I know you have a similar journey. I yeah. had the husband. I had the picket fence. I had the kids. I still have the kids. But thank God you, know, you have this, the kids. Thank God I have the kids. Um, And really, I thought that was my life as I knew it. I thought that was the path I was going down and end on until we one day all picked up and we moved across the country to La La Land here. And, you know, we land here and I always joke, we do what all the other people here do. We get a divorce and uh, joking, obviously, (laughs) issues in this little fairy tale, right? But really that's where the record stopped. The life as I knew it at that moment in my life completely halted. And I honestly didn't know how I was going to move forward. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, mind you, I used to practice as a therapist and I taught the inside out, right? Like this was my fundamental belief. And in fact, in that dark period in my life, and I call it a dark period because not only was my mindset dark, But if you saw me back then, I was not wearing this bright pink top as I am today. I was in dismal black clothes that were all three times too big for my body that I hadn't even seen at that point because I wasn't even aware of myself. And I saw the nursing bras on. 
Mm. I was not nursing any longer, mind you, but it just shows you how stuck I was both in my clothes and in my mind. And I, this is the thing that was a kicker. Like here I am a therapist, right? I got all the support. I, I mean, my friends rallied around me. I went to therapy. I did meditation. Like I did it all. Okay. And I still, I looked in the mirror and saw the frumpy girl. Uh-huh. So, you know, one day, and this is what changed my entire life and the way I practice is that I got so fed up and usually that's when people shift, right? Like right. When, right. You, you wake up one day and you're like, I'm so fed up. I need to change. I just didn't know really what that was. Cause I thought I was doing it. I looked in the mirror. I said, you know what? I'm going shopping. I can't stand the way I look. I'm going shopping. That's it. So shopping therapy, I go to the store and what do I do? I pick all the same clothes again. I think I'm up leveling myself <laughs> by pulling new clothes. I've done it. No. I've done it. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. again, I'm stuck in the same patterns metaphorically by, by grabbing all the black clothes three times too big for me. And this personal shopper, she comes up to me and she says, ma'am, I've been watching you and I really think you should try this on. And she holds up this red dress. Oh, and I look at her and I crinkle my nose and I said, you know, that's really sweet of you, but that's not my size and that's really not my color. She said, honey, that is your size. That is your color. Try it on. And it was like she hit me over the head with that red dress. You know, like I call it my red dress moment and it was like yep. I fell unconscious. And, and, and this is the thing, and I know you teach this too. Sometimes we hear messages that come from the universe or people in our lives and in some instances we can't hear it. And when we're able to hear it is when we need it. Mm-hmm. And I heard it. It was like she had a megaphone in my ear, you know, try this on. So I, I take the dress and I squeeze into it and I twirl around like Cinderella and I look in the mirror yet again. And this time I saw something completely different. You know, I, I, I really, it was like my fairy tale moment where I saw myself almost as Cinderella. I said, oh my gosh, like I, I'm a princess. I haven't seen myself like this in so long. And And the truth was, is that I needed to see that for myself. I needed to have almost a visceral experience in my body, in the mirror, to start integrating who I really could be and am. So I bought that costume that day, and I call it a costume, honestly, because I didn't believe it. And I went out into the world, and all this magic started happening that you see in my bio, like you know, new suitors began to come my way. My career started growing and I realized, wow, there was this symbiotic relationship again between the outer and the inner. But the other thing I realized is that those black clothes were really a cloak. It was keeping me invisible from being seen because I was scared. I was scared of those aliens called men. I did not want them looking at me. I didn't because I didn't know how I was going to respond. So this is what really shifted the way I, you know, looked at things and also helped people in that it's not superficial. It's something that's often a missing link and piece working on, you know, your body language, your wardrobe, your first impressions, the way you market yourself, because that's, again, a direct gateway into who you are. So I started 
start with raising your style intelligence, then I go inward and work on emotional intelligence, and then I take it to the streets and work on your social intelligence, meaning how you interact with the world. Yes, ladies, how you flirt. So I do do wing girl sessions and teach people how to flirt. And so, yeah, that's what my charisma quotient is. That is the formula. Okay. So I got a couple of questions about all of that because I was thinking about that after we talked the other day on your show. So um, there's a couple things. So A, I have a couple of friends. I'm already saying you got to go listen to Kimmy. <laughs> you got to see Kimmy. You got to talk to Kim. But uh, yeah. But okay. So I want to talk about the flirting thing uh, because I have a bit of my story there. And then I want to talk, you have five archetypes for dating, which I think um, when, when you're when you're of a certain age as a woman, I, you know, I can't speak for men. I think I'm, I would imagine men are going through the same thing, but when you're of a certain age, you know, like mid forties to mid fifties, even sixties, and you get divorced there, you've already lived a lifetime. And so it becomes, how do you get out of your past and the oldness, those black dingy clothes, right? Um, so let's, well, I guess let's talk about that first. And then I want to talk about flirting because I had some experiences as a teenager that make me timid. And so I think that there might be people, women, women that had those experiences as well. So uh, let's talk about both those things. But first, let's talk about your archetypes, Kim. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned about the men too, because we always think that we're so unique. And the truth is <laughs> men go through <laughs> really the same thing. I work with men too, and they have their challenges as well that manifest a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, you know, there are some common challenges that we all face. And it was interesting because as I was doing my makeover process and then I started doing the wing girl sessions and I was going out in the field and I was like really observing people. And I was trying to, and, and also from my own journey and my own story with my girlfriends as I was learning how to do this, I realized there were these patterns that kept coming up, you know, and as I would write these summaries for people, when I would do my observations and looking at what what people were having a hard time with, I was like writing the same things over and over again. Oh. And, and that was a good thing because what that told me is that, oh my gosh, we're not alone. Like we all have some commonalities that really pose a problem when it comes to dating, especially dating after divorce. I mean, obviously like that is a different kind of dating than when you're first out there in your twenties and thirties. And I work with women all kinds of ages, so it doesn't matter. It's really starting, you know, with where you're at and what you're wanting. Um, but yeah, these, these five dating archetypes, and I, I won't go into all of them, but what's interesting is that they each have something that really pops out that poses a problem mm -hmm. when it comes to finding love. Okay. And you know, you and I on the podcast were uh, talking about narcissists and I know that that's um, near and dear to many people. I mean, they're all, you know, narcissists are crawling around this earth all over the place. I mean, they're men and women who are, are narcissists. Yes, yes. And as a therapist, I know that, but sometimes it gets overdiagnosed too especially now. Um, but what I will say is that's one of my archetypes is the narcissist magnet. Now, she is very different than say, um, and because the way that, you know, some of the characteristics that she has is a lot different than say, um, the chief, which is my other archetype. And, you know, 
what each of those archetypes do and how that gets played out. It's interesting because a lot of times it's blind spots, like we don't, we don't see them. And so I actually have an audio course out that goes over all of those archetypes. And I actually bring people on who are the archetypes and I coach them live. It's super fun and cool. And then I teach people how to get over that archetype basically. Uh And I have a quiz that everyone can, I can share with your listeners the quiz if you want. I think that they would love that, Kim. Yeah. Absolutely love that. It, and it's kind of, it's just fun to know. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Like this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And then I go over secret weapons and just right away, things you can do to get over that. Um, so yeah, I think one of the common though, and this is to address the whole flirting piece, the common theme with all of the archetypes is that flirting seems to be a challenge. In, and, and again, in different ways. So I'm glad you brought up that flirting piece. And it's something that I've been helping a lot of women with. And I think as a society, we've gone through a lot of changes as women. And we're also trying to recalibrate that, you know, and figure that out. But then on top of it, we all have, you know, ascribed roles growing up, associations with flirting, our own definitions that also cloud it you know, like how we even just go about flirting and what we think about it. So yeah, I'm happy to talk about flirting as well, but yeah, I wanted to make sure that I address the, the dating archetypes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the flirting piece mm-hmm. because, so let me just tell you a little bit about me because um, I think I'm the common every woman kind of thing. So when I was a teenager and in my 20s, um, I couldn't walk down the street without getting whistles unsolicited cat calls and whistles. You know, it's not like I was walking around with my butt hanging out of my shorts or, you know what I mean? I was just walking down the street to get to where I wanted to go. And there was always that. And so there, so that became then one uh, shield that went up. You know, I don't know what I'm doing that's causing that attention. So I'll diminish, you know, I won't shine as bright, right? And then um, when I was married, um, both my husband and I had dated quite a bit before we married my ex-husband. And, um, and we found like the first year, if we were out at a party, it, we, neither one of us knew how to be because we were used to flirting. So then that got kind of calmed down. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as my marriage went on, I, and my esteem was, uh, lowered and destroyed basically that's a whole nother conversation i didn't know i didn't know i was attractive i didn't know i wouldn't know how to flirt right and when i was coming back to myself meaning um learning how to love and respect myself i found myself feeling freer from my heart you know and so if i was around a man or a woman it was i I would just be me and men would all of a sudden look at me like oh and then I, and that original teenager, uh-oh, what did I, I didn't mean it do. And I thought, you know, what the, I'm going to just be me. And, um, and what's interesting is now I'm in a spectacular, phenomenal, amazing relationship um, that I didn't have to go on an internet thing to find, which was cool. Um, and I get to be me, he respects me, and he allows me to be me. And if I'm being flirtatious or, or more me and having fun at it, it, 
It doesn't bother him like it did my ex-husband. And, um, and he can be that too, because we're both self-sufficient within ourselves and we know we love each other. So how do you explain that to somebody who's had like a not good experience with flirting and then come out and be okay with that? Well, I mean, I think we can even use your story as a, a way to kind of talk about it because it's interesting listening to just the evolution of how you got to where you are with flirting. There were moments in your life where you had associations with flirting based on your experiences. And this yeah. actually relates to how I define confidence too. You know, I, and I may be different than a lot of people, but I always, I don't think that there's one person out there that's not confident. I think people mislabel themselves. Oh, I'm just not a very confident person because I always, always find an area in people's lives where they do feel confident in. Mm -hmm. And, and there's actually three different types of confidence, right? And so, so what I say is usually where we lack confidence is because we lack experience or exposure and, and yeah. or positive exposure around mm -hmm. something. So the best way of getting confidence or getting better at something is what? Getting positive exposure, right? And so like there was an evolution with even you, like the fact that you were just kind of as a young woman walking through life and you are getting all this attention, it, for me, like as a therapist, I would want to dive into, well, what about that attention was hard for you? Because there's a lot of girls, you're that age group would love the attention, like would not think anything of it and actually find themselves like feeling really good about themselves. So there was something about you and your upbringing and possibly other messages mm -hmm. that shaped that, oh, don't look at me. You know, and so like, again, you know, it's kind of looking at that. So when I, when I teach people about flirting, that's just it is that first, I love to take um, almost like a, a survey for them of how they're defining flirtation and also what associations do they have around it? Because and this is fascinating, like your definition of flirting mm -hmm is going to be vastly different than the next person. And so just even asking the, your own definition of what flirting is about, that's where it begins. Because if you look in the, def oh, this is fascinating. If you look in the dictionary yes. as a definition of flirting, it's to behave as though you are attracted to someone without the serious intention of an outcome, period. Oh, great. That's brilliant. End of story. Like wow. that's where this, it, the story begins and ends. And here's a, those last words. Without the serious intentions of an outcome, being attached to the outcome is exactly why people don't flirt because they're thinking too much about it. They're putting too much into what it is. And I've heard everything under the sun. Like I have a list and I actually teach um, flirt workshops and I'm beginning to do them online now too, because this is what trips so many people up. And by the way, I have men in my workshop too. And sometimes the men, there's more men than women in some of my workshops. So <laughs> this means it's not just us ladies. Right, right. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, I've heard, well, I don't want to give the man the wrong impression or I want him to like me more than just a sex object or I, why would I, you know, turn it on to somebody I'm not interested in? Like I've heard everything under the sun, but the, but the reality is, is that's not what flirting was intended to be. It was, it's more of a playfulness. It's a magnetism. It's the charisma, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It just draws people to you. And then you get to choose. You have the power. You can embrace using the theme that you have. Whatever energy comes your way and that you want to take in, that, it, that that's you have the power to do that, to say no and or move on with that person. I always use the metaphor of as a playground, like kids are the best at it. Like kids are natural flirts. Why? Because they haven't developed filters yet. They're not thinking too much. They're just like, you know, kind of going along life, being playful, you know, talking to everybody, being that social butterfly. And and there's no shame around it. They're not like mm-hmm. second guessing themselves. They're not like, oh, I shouldn't ask Johnny to borrow his his pail. No, he looks really busy. No, just like, hi, can I borrow it? Can I play? Like it's, it's that just curiosity and that natural state that really is what, you know, flirting's all about. Now, within that, that looks different for everybody. And that's yeah. what I teach. Like, you know, there, there are different styles. And so after getting your association and kind of upbringing with it, then we talk about, well, what's your flirting style, you know? And there's usually different ingredients that there's three magic ingredients that go into flirting, but within that it's different for everybody. I don't, again, like there's no cookie cutter, you know, look of flirting that's one size fits all. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of people think, Marilyn Monroe, for instance, she's like an iconic, you know, like with, with the wind going up her skirt and going and like twirling the hair and like, okay, that's like you see in the movies and there are women like that. And that's fantastic. But if that's not you, then don't do it because then you're going to feel awkward and that's not your jam, you know? So that, that's the whole thing about it. And, and I'll go a little personal in my story too, after my divorce, a game changer was that I got my good set of wing gals, right? Now we called ourselves sex in the city girls and we Mm -hmm. would go out and we would practice flirting. And so this is where the exposure comes in, right? We would pick a venue every week and then we would just go out and practice the art of flirting without being attached to the outcome with nothing, no intention other than to just meet men and, and be comfortable with it. And that's when I realized how different we all were because like one of my friends, she was that girl. She would walk in still like hair twirl, the googly eyes. And I'm like, Oh dear Lord, that is so not me. But you know what? It worked for her because she owned it. Mm -hmm. She owned it. That's where her confidence was. So that's what guys found attractive. One girl just did it all with her eyes. I mean, she was kind of shy. So she just learned how to do it where she did the three second rule and she would look at the guy and she would look down and she would look again. And then all of a sudden they were like right there next to her. I'm like, how did she do that? Like it was magic. So like there were different techniques. And, you know, for me, I just mixed it all up in one big batch and I made it my own, you know, whatever was, was me. So what this goes back to and what we're talking about is really owning who you are and being comfortable in your own skin, whatever that is. Because at the end of the day, it is not about the man. It's about you. And when you love you and you think you're sexy, that's when the men will. That's exactly right. That was my experience. I, that's how my, my new spouse, we, our first date, our first date, it's so silly. We went to Oh my God, I can't think of the name of the club. Um, an Elks Club. Are you kidding me? An Elks Club <laughs> to, to do ballroom dancing 
because he was really good at that. And a few of our friends said, oh, let's all go. And I was like, uh, uh, okay, of course. But then I also made sure I dressed really well and I felt really powerful in my, what I thought was my ugly body, you know, because that's mm-hmm. what my ex had told me. But I, I put on what I felt powerful in. And we walked into this room where I thought there'd be a band and, you know, I don't know. I'd never been to an Elks club. There was um, a tape recorder. A boombox. A tape recorder. I love it. A boombox with uh, CDs. And I was like, oh my God, this is not the place for me. But (laughs) my spouse held out his hand and I took it and we went, we danced for two and a half hours. And it was the sexiest, most romantic. Plus, we talked the entire time, you know, favorite Mm -hmm. songs, favorite movies. Um, stories about our life during that time of dancing. Plus we were just moving and it made it easy for me to, to flirt. You, uh, you know, also he was holding me in his arms and that was felt pretty good, but it, because we were moving and talking at the same time. And I, I, I did, I tend to be kind of, I need to be a physical person. Like when I'm working affirmations, I need to be out walking and, and, and working my mm-hmm. affirmation. Mm-hmm. I can't just sit there and go, I'm this, I'm this, I have to be doing something. And it was very, very, very powerful, I think, for both of us, um, because it gave us an opportunity where we were out, we were out of our comfort zone, and yet we could flirt. And I didn't even know, I didn't even know that that's what I was doing. And then the more we saw each other, the easier it got, because, you know, he encouraged me by laughing or smiling or, you know, and vice versa. So it's interesting. So flirting is really another form of communication, but in when done in a conscious way, like you're talking about Kim and done from a place of authenticity, it becomes the magnet. It becomes the charisma. Absolutely. And it can be taught. And this is what's so interesting about both charisma and flirting is that I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm just not that person. Like that, that person just always was the way she is. And I can't be like that. But when you do the research, actually, no one is born with charisma. Like that's something that's learned. And so, you know, people who are good at it, again, had exposure around it. And for me, that's what's so exciting about teaching this stuff. And and it doesn't matter. Like I've worked with people from 18 all the way up to 85. Like I, I took an 85 year old woman out in a flirt session, you know, not too long ago. And it was fantastic because really it's all the same thing. And when you get out of your head and you mm. learn some of this stuff and you're right, it is a form of communication, but really looking at which form of communication is missing. That, that's really it. it. And that's why I call myself a strategist these days, not just like a coach, because it's really about understanding well, what kind of strategy can we put in place so that you gain the confidence to get better at it because everyone can learn it. It really is something. And yes, it's, it's not just what you wear. It's how you move. Your mm-hmm. body language is a huge piece mm-hmm. of it. I do a lot of talks on body language. 93% of communication is nonverbal. I mean, that's yep. crazy. So not even what you say is as important as how you present yourself. That's why I like working from the outside then going in because if you can break those barriers, right? 
then a person has a chance to get to know you. It's not changing who you are. It's, it's changing your approach so that somebody gets to know who you are. And that's the big difference. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes a lot of sense to me because I think a lot of women, especially if they're operating at a self-esteem deficit, they think they've got to change themselves completely. When it, yeah. And yeah, maybe, maybe there are some things that have to change, but um, this is a fabulous way to develop or, or even uncover the confidence that you always had, but you didn't realize. I want to share a story with you because it relates so much to what we're talking about. And it's just to give people that hope and, and know that it, it doesn't have to be as big as sometimes it feels yeah, you know, in your yeah. head. Because I always say, you know, you always start with the small things again, which is why I like doing the style piece first, because like it's so much easier and quicker to change your shoe or a dress than the stuff that takes a little bit longer to do. But it, again, it, it's a domino effect. So this woman and she, she had been divorced for, oh my God, I think it was 25 years. And she had not dated at all during that wow. time period. Wow. So by the time she got the courage to call me, she, she was at that fed up stage that I talked about in the beginning. And she's like, Kim, I don't care what it costs. I don't care. Like, I'm so sick of feeling this way. I, I got to do something. And so she ended up doing a bigger package with me. And this is the beautiful part where, you know, I take them shopping. I do the coaching. Oh, how fun. Oh, yeah. We do a full makeover from head to toe, inside and out. And in two days, this woman, oh, my gosh. So when she got here, we went over her history. and I. I realized how much she had been giving her power away. She grew up with a narcissistic parent and Mm -hmm. had been a total caregiver her whole life. So much so that she would be constantly giving, giving, giving and not allowing herself to receive. And, And she didn't even know how to do that. And even from the way she was communicating, like she didn't even realize, like she kept apologizing for things that she didn't need to apologize for. So that's why like sometimes working with people in person, there's not like the real thing where I can really like see what's happening. Anyway, after that, I was clear in the direction that I wanted to go. She also um, hadn't like gotten a new wardrobe forever for her social clothes, her dating clothes. And by the way, ladies, your dating image should be different than your work image. And if it's not, then you definitely need to call me. So anyway, that was her problem. I think she was like a legal aid or something. And it just, yeah, was not sexy clothes. So we, first thing, take her shopping. Now, here's the interesting thing of this story is we get through the doorway and she's looking at the mannequins and she starts bawling. And I said, what's going on? And she's like, okay, there's something I haven't told you. I said, what's that? She said, well... I haven't looked in the mirror in 20 years. I cover all my mirrors at home. Oh my gosh, Kim. Oh my gosh. She had so much shame. She didn't want to see herself. And now look, if if I had been a therapist at that point, I probably would have sat her down, did a little cognitive therapy and did some body image work. That is not what she needed. She had, she needed to see herself. She needed to see herself in, in, in such a different way. So I, you know, obviously with kit gloves, um, walked her through the store and I said, look, I would just want you to try on these things for me and give me five seconds in the mirror. So I gave her like a leather jacket and these cute little boots. I said, just, you know, five seconds and then you can twirl around. 
So she puts them on. She looks in the mirror. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And, I just, and she just was staring at herself. And the tears start running down her Aww. face again. But this time it was tears of joy. And she says to me, I have never seen myself so beautiful. And so now like we're both crying right? yeah, like, yeah. And, and we're hugging. And I kid you not, Susan, from that moment on, I had created a monster because then we're like, you know, skipping all over the store. She is trying things on with the door open. Like this is a woman <laughs> with body shame and she's, you know, just like, I'm going to try everything. And we're taking pictures. She had her photo shoot the next day. We oh. got her all done up. And th- the empowerment that went into this, you know, just for herself, what happened is all the photos that she took, she put online, she started dating up a storm and she landed a great guy about, I'd say six months later after really kind of learning all of this stuff. So, you know, again, that's the domino effect and it wasn't a superficial thing to put on a jacket. She, for her, that was such an important like light switch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds like with the fed getting, like you were saying, getting to the place where you're just so fed up, you know, yeah. it's like that, that, uh, it's a spiritual awakening in many ways where you're like, okay, it's, I got to do something because the way life is right now is just not comfortable, happy working. I'm dying inside kind of thing. That's a fabulous story. I love that story. I got chills when you were telling me that story. Oh, oh my it, gosh. It was, I, I relive it and I retell it because it, it was such a, and this was years ago, but it just still stands out to me. And what was so beautiful about it, and you see this a lot in my before and after pictures. If you go to my site, um, KimmySeltzer.com, you see the before and afters. And it's not just the new outfit. You actually see the body language that yep. goes with the outfit. So like in her case, and we did our little flirt session after she got her new clothes, like she moved differently. Like from this woman who was kind of like shuffling in and scared to death to talk to me to this woman who was like talking up a storm to all these guys. And again, positive exposure, practice. She needed a different script, a different story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she could run with it. Exactly. Yeah. It's fascinating. So what about some of the women? Let me just ask you, because I'm, th- I'm thinking of one person in particular, some yeah. of the women that you work with, who come in and they think they're confident. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah. Like I yeah. have, I have a couple people that they, they think they're confident and yet, and they want and they're dating, but they, you know, I get, I guess I'm answering my question because they're attached to the outcome. I have this one. Well, I have a couple friends that are dating and they want to have that relationship, the, the next relationship. And they're working so hard at the dating and constantly dating. And it's a one or two time date. Mm, yeah. And, and either they're saying, you know, the woman's saying, oh, no, I don't like that guy. Or the guy's not calling back or the guy only wants one thing. And the woman wants a relationship, not just a, a few dates. So how do you deal with that? Yeah. Because this, these, uh, these two friends have confidence or they say they have confidence. But really in their heart, I think they're still kind of heartbroken. Yeah. And again, it goes back to those different types of confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they may be confident in work and in their life and socially. Like I have a lot, I'd say that's even more common than not is a very savvy 
successful, powerful, beautiful women. And they don't even need like a new style or anything like that. But for some reason, love is hard, you know, and, 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 in those cases, so this is where the archetypes mm-hmm. come in. Like I have a lot of what I would label chiefs, you know, high achievers, perfectionistic. Yeah. They know everything. Sounds They're like confident, da, 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 da. But then, you know, they're almost running their love life like a business and that doesn't work either. <laughs> so um, th- there's sometimes a lack of the flirtation and the softness and the femininity and learning how to receive because they're so used to producing. It's hard for them to take a backseat and let things unfold and happen. And Absolutely. with that, then the men don't feel like they can be the man or, or know their place and how to help her or please her. So again, everybody's unique. That's why I, I don't like doing like generalized advice without sitting down and talking to people. Cause I always find that there's differences with everybody's journey, but I will say going back to the archetypes that they may fit into that kind of archetype and the, you know, really helping also with allowing themselves to express themselves because a lot of the chiefs they're used to producing and checking off lists and stuff. And then they're, they're not emotionally connecting. So they're not giving things a a real chance to cultivate something that can be more emotionally based. Like, I love your example of when you met your guy, some things that I heard that were so like, you know, that raised my hair and I'm like, Oh my God, that's so great. You know, as you were dancing, so you're moving in your body, right? Like, and, and you're developing that kind of closeness, but you also had some emotional conversations going, you know, you were sharing things with each other and that emotional chemistry, as I call it, Mm -hmm. is so crucial and often Mm -hmm. missing in a lot of powerful people or people who are just like, they're going at it like a business too much. So yeah, I I love sitting down and like kind of getting a strategy to help people with that. And like, I have a woman who fits that, that prototype and she had no clue that she was coming across that way. And because one of my favorite things is to go into people's Bumble accounts or match and I, I see their conversations. And like with this particular woman, I'm like, oh my God, I, I feel like I'm looking at a LinkedIn exchange. Like you're so like, you're so quick to get to the meeting. Like <laughs> she might as well said, here's my calendar, you know, like, and then she's wondering why these guys aren't asking her out or, you know, even progressing to the second date. Well, they I mean, it's like, geez, you know, they don't want to feel like they're dating or their boss, you know? So, you know, again, it's different for everybody, but a lot of times I see little nuances like that. that just, you know, once you tweak it, people get it. Kimmy, I really, I, we could talk forever. I know we I know. could talk forever. <laughs> um, but so thank you for sharing all this. And, and I believe you have a gift for our listeners. If it, so everybody, if you want to find out more, her podcast is, the charisma quotient, but how do they get in touch with you, Kimmy? Yeah, I mean, the best way is to go to my site. It's KimmySeltzer.com, S-E-L-T-Z-E-R, and I'll give you um, the link for that. And also, I'm happy to provide the archetype quiz for your peeps. I think Lovely. it's super fun. And, you know, if, if you're not, I mean, if you're not single and you're actually in a relationship and that kind of thing, um, I do also have a freestyle guide you know, for people who just even want to start there and they're not ready to, to get into more of the dating stuff and they just want to feel better about the way they look. And so that's also, I go over my body type 
um, guide and how you can measure yourself. I'm very mm-hmm. scientific in the way I approach clothes because we all are a specific body type. And then the guide goes over what clothes flatter that figure and what clothes you should stay away from. And again, that really builds your confidence in clothes. A lot of times people think that they can't wear something, but really they're just putting on the wrong thing. Right. So yeah, I'm happy to give those. To I you. love it. I love both of those things. Thank you so much because I, I can, I know I might be going to the archetype quiz just because I'm so curious. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's fun. I mean, we all, and what I'll say about that is that we all have pieces of probably each of the archetypes, but usually there's one that's a little more profound and maybe like even in conjunction with one other one. And of course I I actually have an audio course that helps address all those archetypes. So if you download the quiz and you can check out that as well, it's a mini podcast basically, but it's Uh a little course, as I mentioned before, and it goes over all the archetypes. So Cool. Thank you so much. It's been, you know, it's been so much fun just, just riffing with you. I appreciate it very much. And, and I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you, Kim, for helping so many women and men really um, just listening to what you've done and your story and how you got out of it is inspiring to me. And, and I know that there's, we're all, you know, we all need somebody to just kind of hold our hand and help us look in the mirror, you know, like, like this woman you were describing. And if I, if I didn't have someone holding my hand and helping me look in the mirror at my point of, of feeling absolutely at the bottom of the barrel, I, I don't know where I would be right now. And I had that person. So thank you for being that person for so many others, because that, then, then they can have a joy filled life instead of a, yeah, yucky, yucky life. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And thank you for that acknowledgement. And yeah, it takes a village. I always say that, you know, and, and if you don't have support, it can feel really isolating and, and lonely. Yes. And so that's why I reach out to people, you know, even if it's not me, if it's not Susan, somebody who can just be there to hold you accountable, to motivate you, to inspire you so that you can get out of the, the hole sometimes yes. we feel in. So yeah, thank you so much. So um, I just want to remind everybody uh, to join my Facebook group, Live an Empowered Life, and you'll find out what we're up to. And with all of that said, I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.